Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show Episode number 336 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel.com slash Boston, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. You can sign up now to claim your no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000. It's a pleasure to be here on this a continuing off-season, and it seems like even though it's the off-season, there's still a crap load to talk about, as there always is. Joined, as always, by uh, Grace Roberts, Mark Allred. How are you guys? Good to see you. Doing well. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, uh, it's uh, the off season. And we have a ton of things to talk about, and um, but it is uh, it is the last episode with my friend Steve over here. He's moving on to uh, do a podcast with the Springfield Thunderbirds, a team that he uh, knows very well as he's the um, the arena announcer guy, uh, PA guy. I'm not sure what your role is there, but I'll take a um, yeah, I <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say, um, Steve, having you here for so many months uh, this season um, was was fun, and and I really look forward to our discussion. Obviously, getting uh, the amazing Grace on here uh, as well. I uh, just really rounded it out, but then all of a sudden, it, it now you're leaving, and it's a very somber kind of moment. But I w- I want to thank you for the effort that you. That you brought to the program every week um our our numbers went up Uh, we have a lot of good engagements people really like the voice i mean uh, why not i mean i I melt every time i hear it uh so uh, again i just wanted to say thank you for your effort here at bng and everything that you've done and best of luck moving on to um your next project and and definitely dive into that if you can yeah yeah no doubt and and i want to thank you mark for the for the chance and 
You know, it's radio people. It's uh, it's like a drug to talk into a microphone. It really is. And you go without it for a while and you start scratching. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I haven't me be part of this in this outlet and talking about, again, I know it didn't end the way we wanted, but that run of that this team put on this season was pretty awesome and pretty special to be able to talk about. So, um, and I never like to leave any place or on bad terms or anything like that. And, you know, Mark, you've been nothing but professional about it. And Mark's a great guy to work for. So there's a lot of, of opportunities here at B&G. And um, if you're looking to get into the business and you want somebody that's fair and helpful that you can work for, uh, Mark is absolutely the guy. So make sure you hit him up um, on social and get yourself involved with this, this great organization. I, I appreciate the time. And, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to do something. Uh, well, quite frankly, the Thunderbirds just don't have, just don't have anything like this. Do you know what I mean? Like there's like, with all due respect, there's what, like 15 Bruins podcasts and that's great. The Thunderbirds don't have any. And it's like, uh, let's get this team a little love. So be working directly with the team and it'll be fun. We'll have on guys that like, you know, I want to talk to a Zamboni driver. I want to yeah. walk me through a day in the life of what the Zamboni driver does. Like just different people within the arena that do different things. And um, so it'll be fun. And that's hopefully coming this September. Although based on some of the news that's coming out of uh, St. Louis over the last 24 hours, their parent team, we might be, we might be doing something a little, a little, a little earlier if this escalates. So we'll see, but, um, but I appreciate the kind words, Mark. And I also just want to tack on happy 12th year anniversary to me and my wife. Uh, nice absolute uh, pleasure happy June anniversary 25th. got married outside in a rainstorm there's nothing like it <laughs> uh, everybody was soaking wet and once you're all wet then nothing worse can happen with the wedding so everybody had a great time but you know what nobody will forget that day nope true <laughs> nope. nope nobody has although there was a lot of there was a lot of pulling over on the side of the road uh, the windy roads of vermont from a lot of my, my college friends the next morning <laughs> up and down and up and down oh yeah vermont so um (laughs) so i appreciate her and appreciate you guys and um this is another special thing about this episode is uh you and grace had a chance to sit down with uh, dom tiano who is just a fountain of information uh we'll have that coming up for you it'll be about a two-hour show so we'll we'll do our thing for about 60 minutes and then we'll uh, toss it to you guys and Dom and uh, there's just so much good stuff in there. And I, we always appreciate his time and, and what you guys uh, put together for him as well. Um, Mark, what were some of the things that you guys talked about as a little bit of a teaser for, for the listeners to wet their whistle? Well, uh, Dom wrote an article a couple of days ago about his 2023 NHL entry draft, like where or who the Bruins could pick. Um, when the time is for the Bruins to, to get up and select at the podium. Um, obviously, the Bruins don't have a first and second round, so we got into details with Dom about um, you know who could be available at round three, four, uh, six, and two in the seventh round. Um, you know, and we questioned if this is actually a deep draft or not, um, and Dom had some really good things to say about that. Um, but, you know, it's... It's it's it is draft time. The draft does start from Nashville on Wednesday night, and I thought it was an appropriate time to have somebody on that is not only privy into the Boston Bruins, um, you know, to keep the uh, the related content going, but also very good at like scouting and so on, and and has an eye for talent. and And we went right through the um, the list that Dom provided, and here's like some names right here on the uh, on the screen for the YouTube video uh, viewers these are all the 
the players that Dom wrote in his article and that he uh, speaks highly of and that could be available at, at these uh, certain um, times when the Bruins pick. So it was really good to tap that knowledge uh, from Dom and it was really good to have him on for a whole hour. I just, I love his uh, enthusiasm and just the way he, he breaks everything down. So that'll be in a second hour brought to you by Action Electronics. So uh, definitely stick around for that in hour number two. Um, yeah, we got a lot of good stuff going on. And um, just to just to keep the ball rolling here, as uh, as we do have a lot to talk about today, uh, something I wanted to start with, which we brought up, I think, right after the, the Bruins got eliminated, was the assistant coaching on the team. And it looks like former Bruins uh, player Mark Savard is now the assistant coach with the Calgary Flames. Um, Grace, do you feel like they could use another assistant coach or maybe a different assistant coach and was Savard one of those guys that you had you had labeled yeah I mean I think to a certain extent I um I mean I don't it's the fact that anybody is going to go into that Flames locker room is insane to me so I mean if Savard's the guy to do it he can he can help out over there because I know there have been a lot of rumblings about just crazy things happening there um but honestly you know I know we talked about it and when we did have the conversation about the coaching staff of the Bruins, it was pretty immediately after the loss. There were a lot of emotions. Things were, you know, I was feeling a lot of things and I was ready to throw everybody out and get a whole new staff in. Not actually, but I was close to it. Um, so I don't know, but I'm a little more content with where we're at now. So I, uh, you know, as much as I would like to see some adjustments made with the coaching staff they have currently, I'm okay with I'm okay with where we're at now. <laughs> Not to get too far down this road because I know Bruins fans for the most part don't care, but you are a, a Celtics fan too. And if you're looking at the Celtics, they have a young coach like the Bruins do. They have uh, underachieved this season like the Bruins did, and yet they brought in what two or three different assistant coaches to help Joe Mazzulla out. So, do you draw any comparison to maybe bringing in some veterans on the staff that could help Monty, or is Joe Sacco veteran enough? I mean. I think that that's a good point. There were so many parallels, you know, between the Celtics and the Bruins this season down to the getting eliminated by an eighth seed from South Florida. Um, and so I think that, honestly, I understand the situation is different in, in both cases, but I also, I do recognize that I think there is a value to be had by bringing veterans from outside of the organization to come in. So as great as Sacco, I think, is and obviously has experience that Monty lacks, it it didn't really work the way that we needed it to. And so I, I do sometimes think about, you know, are there eyes on the outside that would be helpful to what we're trying to do? Um, I'm not ready. I don't know yet to say we should you know, pull a Joe Missoula or a Brad Stevens and suddenly start pulling in these veterans from outside of the organization. Um, but, you know, it, it is a good question because, you know, we had that, that veteran on the bench and it didn't work. Um, so I don't know. You want to believe that somebody can get through to Monty. Maybe he'll do it himself next season to, you know, not make the same mistakes again. But I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens. But, yeah, I saw when I saw that about Savard, I was shocked, confused, not confused, but I was, I don't know. There's a lot going on with the flames right now. So, yeah. Uh, as soon as we started talking basketball, Mark started trimming his fingernails. Uh, Mark, any, <laughs> uh, <laughs> any, oh, yeah. uh, any thoughts on Savard in particular, or if, you know, 
just a rehash of the Bruins are in a good spot with their staff. I think that they're in a good spot for right now. I'm not saying a great spot, but I think that another year of of what we saw last year, you know, the group together and so on would do, be beneficial. But if, if things don't work out next season and it's, like, really bad, I think besides Monty and John Gruden, I think the staff should be uh, reconstructed a little bit. Um, and, you know, would Mark Savard been a beneficial uh, addition to that staff? I think so, uh, especially on the creativity factor, uh, on the power play and, and how to transition out of the zone quickly. I think that he would add some uh, some interesting knowledge to the to that factor, but he's also going to be doing it in Calgary as an NHL coach. He leaves the Windsor Spitfires, uh, real successful uh, head coaching stint in Windsor in the Ontario Hockey League, and he's going to join Craig Conroy, who's uh, the new GM in Calgary and a former teammate of Savard. So you know, there's there is a, a, a relation there, and. Um, I don't know. I mean, yes, Grace, I do agree that there's a lot of stuff that's going on in Calgary. There's a lot of flight risks, uh, especially during the free agent time. You know, Elias Lindholm and, and um, you know, the defenseman that I can never forget, uh, Noah Hannafin and Tyler Toffoli. Who knows what's going to happen with him? They just seemed like they're gonna, all going to be flight risks to, to leave Calgary. So it's going to be interesting on how this coaching staff is going to uh, be, you know, put together and, and how um, Mark Savard can benefit from it you know so it, it'll be interesting for him i mean good on him and his family this is a definitely an upgrade in pay i would think so uh you know we'll see what happens i mean i know he did it in in st louis so hopefully he has a little bit longer tenure um with calgary um all right so as we move forward now to looking at the buyout window which is uh, currently open and i i gotta be honest i'm sort of racking my brain i don't know if i ever remember the bruins buying out a player since this rule has been in effect and i don't know it's been it feels like it's been five years probably been longer i don't know if like michael riders and i know matt Bolesky got traded and i really don't remember those bad contracts being bought out by this team like ever um but we are still looking at both mike riley and Derek forbert those are sort of the two big names on the list and i guess when you're this cap strapped uh, mark it would make sense to probably buy out at least one of these guys right oh yeah um, and if you're looking at getting rid of Mike Riley's $3 million or $4 million actual money that he's going to earn this upcoming season, if you buy him out, you, you save $2.6 in cap space. So literally, that is half of what the Bruins are going to be penalized for next season for the contract um, extensions or contracts of Bergeron and Krejci last year. So there's bonus overages that they have to that they're penalized on. So already going into this offseason, they were they were, you know, steps behind when you when they're trying to be cap compliant and you know, any little bit helps, to be honest with you. And if Forbert has to be the other this this particular buyout window, it can be multiple players. The next buyout window, I think, is only one in a certain period of time. So this is the opportunity where the Boston Bruins need to really figure out where they're going with this, and, and they might want to do two. I mean, if you get rid of Mike Riley, that's $3 million AAV. You get rid of Derek Forbert, that's $3 million AAV. You know, and it, when you're strapped like this, you just got to gotta maximize every dollar that's given or available. Interesting. How about you, Grace? What are your thoughts on the buyouts? Yeah, I... 
I honestly, I don't understand why it hasn't happened yet. I don't get it. I just feel like we're sitting on Mike Riley. Mike Riley's the one, like, we can go back and forth all day about Derek Forbert and, you know, what they want to do with him. Seems like the Bruins organization has a weird amount of trust in him, or at least Montgomery did during the playoffs. But, like, the Mike Riley situation, I just don't, I don't get. It sounds like he was sort of, you know, unhappy in Providence this season. We're paying him a lot of money. I think we're right that there's a stupid team out there who will overpay for him. Maybe, but I don't even know that's necessarily true. But my point is, I don't know why we haven't done anything um, on either Forbert or or Riley, because it just seems like we know what's... I mean, I think we know what's going to happen. I think one of them or both of them is going to be bought out. So I'm not really sure what's going on behind the scenes that's preventing that i mean everybody on twitter has been saying it too like why aren't we buying out mike riley why are we waiting what what are we waiting for um so i have no idea it's super confusing i think it's gonna happen i guess i just don't know when um but yeah to your point steve i'm not sure i remember a time when i mean i guess but i you know my memory only goes back like eight years um when (laughs) there was a buyout in the era in which we were doing buyouts. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I don't know what's going on. It's confusing. I don't know why there's been no movement. and It's freaking me out. I just need something to happen. I need Don Sweeney to do something before I lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like the buyout window started after the lockout in 2012-2013. So I, mean, oh, wow. I thought it was five years. It's actually been 10. Yeah. Um, I think that coincides with the new CBA as well. Yeah. I mean, with the collective bargaining agreement that keeps getting extended and extended. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Bruins fans were also shocked. And again, I get my, my, my players confused, but it was, it was Monte Kiwi, right. Who was supposed, they were supposed to sign. And it was like, why haven't you just signed this guy? And then they didn't. And it was like, well, well, what the hell? Um, Yeah. I, I would think the obvious thing to do here is to is to buy out one or both of these players, and it just hasn't gotten done yet. And I get a little nervous that they're, ah, we'll be fine. We need them. Um, I'm wondering, too, if there is a thought that because contracts just they go up every year, um, you know, you get rid of whatever $6 million amongst those two players, but you still have to fill roster spots. So nice. you clear $6 million for, a, you know, two $5 million players that you don't know. Like, is there a thought that, well, maybe we'll just stick with what we know and ride it out? Well, unfortunately, I mean, that's that's kind of where the path is going right now with no movement on shedding salary at this point. You know, we're, we're days away from the NHL draft. Um, and I'm expecting the Boston Bruins to do something to try to get some draft capital in this year's festivities from Nashville. So um, time's running out to, to try to do that. And... and to be honest with you, if you're not if you're not pulling a trade before the draft, what are we doing here? Right. You know, it's 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 just ridiculous that nothing has been done so far. But there is a lot of stuff that's going on, and I understand that deals can be done on the road, on a plane, anywhere. But um, you know, the awards are coming up. I believe tomorrow night or Tuesday night. The draft and free agency, there's a lot of freaking things that are going on. So Sweeney and staff might be just a little busy at the moment to do anything um but hopefully something does happen sooner or later and grace if you're mike riley 
you know, let's say the Bruins are like, well, we'll keep Riley and Forbert. We'll get rid of Cliff. We'll lose Clifton. Well, you know, the op- the obvious choice to me to play that position would be Zaboral. So yeah. if you're Riley, then you're like, wait, I had to play in the minors, and now you're going to put me up on the ninth floor for 80 games? Like, how pissed right. is that player going to be? But yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of the the whole idea is that nobody <laughs> – I don't think any of us are like anticipating Mike Riley getting games for the Bruins, at least not in, I don't know if he even played a game last season. Did he play a game for the Bruins last season? So, I mean, like that's, you know, I I think there's really no, for me, I just don't understand. You're right. So the awards are tomorrow, the 26th. You can't, you know, you can't like, for example, you can't do anything with either, Allmark, or I don't think Bergeron can say anything until after that has happened because I think odds are they'll both win their respective awards, and that'd be weird if you, you know, dealt Allmark before he won the Vesna or Bergeron oh, retired man. before winning the Selfie. Bruins Twitter would melt. It'd be over. <laughs> it would be over. Um, nobody would forgive Don Sweeney. I wouldn't forgive Don Big Sweeney. Crater. Um, Big crater. Big <laughs> crater. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I do think it's, like, so weird that if we can't do those things, why aren't we doing the one thing that we can do? Because you're right. He, what are we going to do? We're going to keep him, and then he's going to go and sit, yeah, watching the games from the from the rafters. I don't understand really what we're trying to do with him or Forbert, for that matter. Um, but, yeah, it's confusing. It's weird. I just know there's going to be a day when Don Sweeney just does everything at once, and it's going to drive me up a wall. Um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. So, so sticking on the back end, I mean, let's say there are these kind of changes. And again, here's another name that I've heard floating around a bit who is just has got to get uh, buyout because, uh, well, I guess he already got bought out is Oliver Ekman Larson, who again has just failed everywhere he's went, but he's been in uh, Arizona and Vancouver. Ugh. Um, <laughs> is this the kind of player that if you do make some buyouts and you're looking for a cheap replacement, would you pay this guy, you know, 700 K on a, on a prove it deal, Mark Allred? Um, I, I would, I mean, he's got experience. I mean, but it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of out on the player after so many years of, of the rumors and so on. And, you know, especially when he was making $8 million and what is he going to want for a one year deal? Realistically, is he going to want a, a, a vet minimum? You know, a league minimum to come to Boston and uh, on a roster that seemingly is going to change um, in the, in the next couple of days, especially before the the next season starts. Um, you know, are they going to be cup favorites in his eyes? I, I believe that a player like him is going to want to go to a team that has a chance to win. Um, and you know, I'm black and gold through and through, but. You know, I, I don't have my uh, drunk glasses on when saying that the Boston Bruins are probably not going to win the cup next year. I also said that this year, and then they had a record-breaking season. So, you know, I'm kind of hedging my bet on FanDuel right now. So, Grace, are you in or out on Oliver ekman Larson on a cheap deal? I don't know. I feel we have so limited options that I there's almost nobody. Oh, that's not true. There are people that I would definitely say big no to, but he is... I'll use the word reliable to an extent because I think that he's not going to crash and burn anything. 
I don't think he's going to be a superstar. <laughs> Clearly, he's been a lot of places and has not been a superstar, even on really bad teams. But he's not the worst player that you could possibly sign on a cheap deal. Um, and so I think that, especially if we're really desperate, um, I wouldn't hate to see it. It's not the worst thing I can think of. But I do hesitate to call, you know, to say that if we need a spot, if we have to fill a spot, we have to fill a spot. And if we can do it cheaply with a guy who at least has experience playing on different teams, well, then I think we should do it. Um, so I guess that's where I am. I'm not necessarily all in or all out, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that I can be picky right now, considering the situation that we're in with cap space. So. Yeah. I think if it was, if my options were to overpay Connor Clifton or buy out Riley and Forbert and bring this guy for 700 K I'll take that option. Yeah. And, and I don't want to look at this team like it's a bridge year. I mean, it's not really a bridge year per se. However, there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of your best prospects are probably a year plus away, especially on the back end. And there is talent down there, but I just, I don't know. Mason Lowry is not ready. So no. like, you know, I think now is a good opportunity to sort of bridge that with young, cheap veterans that can get you from point A to point B. And again, we're not talking top line minutes. You're going to be down there in that third bottom third pairing, maybe a little bit of special teams, but that's it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think if anything, that's why he's not going to want to come here. Is he's going to be like, well, where do I play? Like, when am I going to actually see the ice? Because maybe that's a good thing for him. Maybe he's tired of being a top line defenseman on a crappy ass team. It's like Taylor Hall. Like Taylor Hall was a first line forward underachieving. Maybe he'd rather be a, a third, a third pairing player and, and, you know, take on everybody else's third line rather than have to go out there and, and bang against the top line every night. So uh, I don't know. It's an interesting spot. Um, sort of sticking with the defenseman here. The other thing that's come up in the last 24 ish hours. And um, I just have a little bit on it because obviously the Thunderbirds are the St. Louis blues affiliate um, talk yesterday was that the blues were going to acquire Kevin Hayes from Philly. Uh, that trade has snagged as of now, mostly mm-hmm. apparently around Tory Krug, who does not want to waive his no trade clause. Um, I don't know how you uh, try to trade a player like that and then have him say, I'm not going. And then you're like, okay, fine. You can go back and play here. I wonder how severed that relationship is with Tory Krug. Um, and I wonder what teams are on his, it's a partial no trade. So there are teams that he is willing to go to uh, whether or not the Bruins are one of them. I don't know, but um, you know, the, the blues just re-signed a one-year one-way deal with Scott Perunovic who played most of the year last year in Springfield um same kind of guy like Krug undersized a wizard with the puck fast smart and I think that much like I felt here when it was Krug and Grizzly you can only have one little guy on the back end you can't have two you can have none but you can't have two little guys and I think St. Louis is like it's Krug or Perunovic we'll take Perunovic uh unless they wanted to take a bad kind of like what if what if they were like hey we want to get the Bruins involved and we'll eat most of Tory Krug's money and will take on the contract of player X, whether it's Mike Riley or, or Forboard. Um, if, if they could make the money work and bail us out for, of some cap space, Mark Allred, are you in or out on Tory Krug a reunion? Uh, Boston is closed and the state of Massachusetts is also closed to Tory Krug idea. I am not a fan of getting the band back together. Um, obviously it didn't work last year. Uh, so I want to move on into a different direction. Um, new blood and so on. Um, 
Same with Milan Lucic. I'm not on the I'm not on the train, the nostalgia train that is not coming through my town. Sorry, folks. Um, but I honestly don't see how this would work out. Uh, I I don't believe that Tory Krug uh, was very happy with his dealings in Boston. Um, you know, being told verbally that he had a deal done, and then not have any conversations uh, throughout the year. But when uh, it came to the uh, the team backed out and said we're not doing that deal anymore. I thought that was kind of shitty, without even letting him know ahead of time that they weren't interested until the eleventh hour, and uh, obviously signing with uh, with uh, St. Louis. So I think there's a little bit of bad blood between him and the um, and the organization. And you know, obviously he's beloved by his team, his former teammates, and and obviously the city of Boston. I totally get it, um, but I just don't I don't see how a, a return could work. Even when you're retaining money, when you're you're so far behind in shedding salary uh, this off season, I just don't think it's a great idea. I mean, I don't know if anybody saw my Twitter. I would love to see Tory Krug back in Boston. I'm not on the bringing the band back together. I'm not on the Lucic coming back thing. I, it's not what I'm doing. I just like Tory Krug as a player. I think he fills a spot that we need. I, if there's an attractive deal, I would like to do it. You want a reliable veteran defenseman? I have one for you. And his name is Tori Krug. And so I think that that's where I'm coming from. Um, but I understand also there are a lot of reservations. There are plenty of people on Twitter who did not enjoy that tweet. One of them is a part of this podcast, and his name is Mark Allred. Um, <laughs> so I, I do understand. Um, but... I'm on the Tory Krug train. I'm I'm for it. I love him. All you have to do is show me that video of him, that hit. It, it, I just, it's the hit. I was telling somebody, it's the hit. The no know, helmet. But they, but they lost, Grace. They lost. I understand. I understand that. They did lose. <laughs> and, uh, but I do think that, I don't know. I just like the idea. I don't think there's any way that it could possibly happen. I just don't see that happening. You're right. I don't know that, um, it's I don't know. It's kind of looking like maybe he won't even wave it. I don't know. So um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I was for it. I know. I know. Everybody can hate me, but I'm I'm with it. I'm on the Tory Krug train. Mark, quick question on this on this topic is is why do, don't you think Jack Ashan has gotten a chance yet as a as a player to play for the big club? Uh, undersized. I think that's that that's the biggest flaw in his game. I think he maneuvers the puck well. He reads the play very well uh, laterally along the blue line. Um, he's that prototypical puck-moving quarterback defenseman. Um, but uh, AKA, I just think it's a AKA, size issue. A.K.A. he's Tory Krug. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's Scott which he's Matt Grizzlick. So, like, this is yes. – and I, I set you up for it, and you knocked it out of the park. Jack Ashan's 5'9". That yep. sucks. If he was 6'1", he'd be, your, he'd be on your number two pairing, and you'd be paying him good money. He had 31 assists last year. For Providence, the problem he's 5'9, 180 pounds, and yep. we've seen the Bruins get into cup finals, playoffs. Quite frankly, I think Florida bullied them, they bullied them. <laughs> and when you St. Louis bullied the Bruins, and when you are loaded with defensemen that are five foot nine, five ten, five eleven, going into the boards with Ryan O'Reilly bearing down on you, like. You're gonna lose that battle, and and I just even when he was here, I was like, it's got to be Grizzly or Krug, and I'm not trying to be a heightist, 
but like <laughs> like you you just you got to to play that position you I would love to put Tory Krug in the wing. I would love Tory Krug to play right wing. It'd be freaking awesome. But he doesn't want to. So, you know, same for Grizzlick, same for Ashan. So, I don't think you can have two say the same thing I said when he was here. It's got to be Grizzlick or Krug, it can't be both. Uh, if I had to have a little guy moving the puck, I want it to be Jack Ashan, quite frankly. Um, and the other thing, when you talk about bringing the band back together, like I, I, I think that I do think that more than any other team in this town, Bruins fans have a familiarity problem. And this isn't to take anything away from Cam Neely or, or Don Sweeney or, uh, Adam McQuaid, who works upstairs, or Chris Kelly, who's the coach, or PJ Axelson, who is uh, scouting. Like, there are 31 other teams that also have really, really good players. It, bringing back Tuka Rask, bringing back David Krejci, like, and like, enough's enough. And I, I wanted Mark Savard, sure, but like, enough's enough. Find somebody on another team. It's like we finally go outside of the organization. We end up with Pavel Zaka and Tyler Bertuzzi, two guys that I'm pretty sure everybody freaking loves. So like, I, I'm I'm all done. The Milan Lucic, the Tuka Rask, the David Krejci's, the uh, Chris Kelly. Uh, Chris Kelly does a fine job. I'm sure Adam McQuaid does a great job. Don Sweeney's fine. Cam Neely's great. Let's move on to bringing in people from out, other organizations outside of outside of Boston. And I'm looking at cap friendly right now, and Tory Krug six point five for the next four seasons is just ugh, yeah. No, rough. they they'd have to eat some money for him to come here. No doubt right. about it. But if they're oh, that yeah. desperate to get Kevin Hayes, you know, maybe they not only eat some of his, but they'll, like I said, take on O'Reilly or two. And then, yeah. But that's probably the only right. way I would do it. I don't know. Interesting. So, a lot of question marks on the back end. Um, I, there were some weird reports. He was it Heat Daddy? Heat Daddy had a thing that said the Bruins <laughs> were going to do some big, massive, yeah. massive trade. And then Bucci tweeted it. I, I don't know. Grace, did you follow that at all? Yeah, I did. I was paying attention to it. And I I think it was a bit in the end because they ended up, Heat Daddy ended up just posting like something stupid that was just long and funny. But I do think there's, I mean, like the thing about it is like, oh, big rumbling, something's going to happen. Yeah, no shit. Like something big is going to happen. <laughs> They're going to either Bergeron's going to retire, Bergeron and Krejci are going to be out. There's going to be a huge trade. We're going to lose, you know, somebody that we really like on the team. Like, I could, I'll, I'll say it right here. Hey, guys, you can quote me on this. Something big is going to happen. There's going to be something huge <laughs> coming along because, because it's going to happen. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So, like, that, that going on, like, I hear rumblings of something big. Like, yeah, that's going to happen. Um, so, in the end, I think it was a bit, but also, I don't think it's wrong because I think something crazy is going to happen in the next couple of days. I think after the awards ceremony, um, probably we're going to lose Olmark. Sadly, devastating. Bergeron and Krejci might announce that they're not coming back or they are coming back, fingers crossed, but well, mixed. I know there's some mixed feelings in this podcast, but whether or not we want them back, but at any rate, so yeah, I think in the end it was nothing, but it was pretty funny and entertaining because everybody sort of uh, lost their minds over it. And so I, uh, they're hyping up the inevitable, (laughs) right? Yeah. I'm like, I know it's going to happen. It was just, it was, it was Bruins porn is really what it was. It was. It wasn't even Bruins porn. It was like a, it was just like a tease. It's like yeah. a link to an OnlyFans account. Like it was just, it right. was just like a tease, you know. Yeah, it was so, a bot. It was a bot, you know. It was, it was a bot. just uh, a bot in your DMs. Like, hey, check out, check out the link in my yeah. bio or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's Speaking just weird when you get fans. a guy like, yeah, it's weird when you get a guy like Butcher Grass for tweeting it though. Yeah, I, I know. 
it's just yeah but again like they're not wrong because i think something is right. gonna happen that's big <laughs> what was that mark i cut you off speaking to only fans i should get uh going on an account so i can fix this internet problem <laughs> True. <laughs> mark yeah. needs extra cash venmo, yeah, right? venmo <laughs> myself out yeah pimping myself out for internet freaking closure <laughs> hey whatever we got to do to pay the bills oh boy um so like let's take a look now at the forwards if we could and again we just keep hearing these names as as the the main story here for the bruins this offseason is the cap um you know and, and there's been talks now about jake debrusque and taylor hall um you know bertuzzi is still out there and and i think a lot of Bruins fans would like to have him back, but he might just be asking for too much money. I'm sure, again, it only takes one stupid team to way overpay for him. Um, it also only takes one stupid team to pick up Taylor Hall and retain his salary. So um, is are either of those names ones that you guys are looking at as possible options to, to sort of put out the door and get some relief and then either sign a free agent or promote somebody from within? Or uh, what are your thoughts on those two, Mark? Um. Yeah, I, I I don't see the Bruins moving a forward in in the trade uh, to relieve cap or a roster spot for a, a player with a lower AAV. I honestly think I mean there's only seven players that are signed for next season that are forwards, and and obviously seven defensemen uh, for for the upcoming year as well. Um, I just I, I don't know. I kind of find it hard to believe that they would move some of those players like. Um, a Taylor Hall, for instance, I think that he's 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 been a really good Bruin. I think that he likes being here and he likes the group and everything. So, um, but I I do understand the salary cap and everything like that. But I really think that the goaltending is going to take a, a hit, uh, a casualty hit. And I think that Grizzlick, Forbit, and Riley money off the books could help uh, you know benefit the the, the shedding um, process of the salary cap a little better than moving a forward. I just, I don't know if there's anything internal that can come in and just replace a player like Taylor Hall. I don't see, as much as I'm high on Georgie McCuloff down in Providence and, and how he is in the prospect rankings of the Bruins organization, it, could he be a, a cap-saving option? Absolutely. But is he going to give you those types of minutes, that type of hustle, that a veteran like uh, Taylor Hall could do, I'm not totally sure on that. I'm, I, I don't believe that he'll have instant success. I think it's going to take a year for uh, a, a player like Mikulov to adjust to the uh, the highest level in the world. But I, I honestly think that goaltending and the defense should be uh, areas of concern where you need to, to shed some of that salary moving forward to be compliant in October. Interesting. So, How about you, Grace? Well, I was going to ask, so do you all think that I don't know. I almost thought in my brain that that Trent Frederick would not would be moved. But do you, Mark? If do you not see that happening in terms of on the offensive end? I kind of think that moving Trent is an option. He's an RFA. I think he has uh, arbitration rights. I'm not totally sh sure on that. Uh, I do have Cap Friendly in front of me, but um, I think that moving him, you would you would move out a bit of the physicality that this Boston Bruins team kind of needs a little bit. Um, I, I'd like to see Trent back, but I could also see him being moved. Um, you know, St. Louis is another uh, hot place for him to go. That's where he's from. That's where his family currently lives and so on. So a lot of rumors are, are going to gravitate there as well. 
Um, but you know, I I I could definitely see Trent being a, a you know a con- signed contract uh, for a two year deal, probably about one point five two million dollars at the most. Um, who knows? But I mean, yeah. it's, it, basically the team has a little bit of control. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say on the on the Paul Bertuzzi thing, I'm. I've never, I don't know if I'm going to get hate for this. I've never been the biggest Taylor Hall fan. I don't dislike him, but I'm not, I, I don't really care. I, I'll be okay with him leaving if it would help us. I would much rather have Bertuzzi, but I don't know that that's necessarily what the trade-off is. If it were that the, easy, I think we would do it, you know. The thing with me, and I'm a, I'm a Bertuzzi guy, and I like what he did here in Boston in a short time, but his injury history is a real concern to me. Well, it's all good, but I mean, I get what you're saying. Perennially, he's 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 not really a, the most often injured guy. Um, I, I again, like Mark said, I think I think Fredrick will stick around just because he's going to be cheap, and I think he fits a role. And I, I, you know, my mind now just gravitates towards the money, and that's why I'm. I mean, I'm kind of looking at a guy like Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque is a four million dollar cap hit, and he's a free agent at the end of the season. So you know you want to get out from under these these contracts first of all you don't want them to walk uh at the end of the year for nothing so you trade him this offseason when his ceiling has never been higher i mean he's coming off of a, a fantastic career year so his his value's never been higher um and he's requested a trade anyway so now you're you you asked for it here you go year and a half late <laughs> but like but you know he's a guy that you again you don't want to walk for free. If you're good next season, you're not going to move a guy like that at the trade deadline. So he's either going to command massive, he's either going to have a good year and 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 demand massive money, Pasternak type money, or he's going to have a bad year and you're not going to get as much value for him at the deadline. So his value's never been higher, and his contract is four million bucks. So you want to get back into the first round? Of the you know again that doesn't that, that doesn't you know. It's not going to fill the TD Garden this year, but you give you give uh, Freddie approve a deal to move him up and play some bigger minutes. You move a guy like DeBrusque, so let you get something at the value. You pick up another, you know, third, fourth, bottom, flying cheap forward in a trade or a deal. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I've been playing franchise mode since I was thirteen. But um, you know, I just I, I look at him and I mean, I love the guy. Don't get me right, because again, I take all this the, the way he plays, his style of play what he did in the winter classic with a shattered kneecap or whatever the hell it was he had, like take all that aside and just look at the money and think this is an opportunity for them to get out of some money and possibly trade a guy when his value is the highest. But um, again, everybody loves him, you know, and that's, it's part of it. We fall in love with these guys once they come here and then we don't want to trade them. Speaking of that, uh, the athletic uh, Bruins beat writer, Fluto Shinzawa does some great work, um, had off season content, but he got a little bit of scrutiny over the latest rumor of both Bergeron and Krejci. Um, I think Mark's got a, a, a shot of that for our YouTube videos of the um, the Fluto tweet. But uh, again, the, the Bruins fans' love for not breaking the band up is something that uh, continues to come into play here as well as they're cap-strapped and need to do something. Yeah, I forgot to uh, upload that that image. My bad. Um, but uh, no, Fluto... Uh, threw out there that there's an unknown anonymous player that um, mentioned to somebody that um, Bergeron and Krejci are 
definitely not coming back or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yeah, I, think, um, I, think and... it, I think the exact thing was like I, that they don't count on either of them being back. That was the yeah. that was the the line. Yeah, and you know it's I like Fluto. I think he does great work, but he does great work during the regular season. I, I, the off season, I just think that sometimes he's reaching a little bit to get the content out there. I get it. You know, I'm a you know half-ass writer myself, and it, you know struggle to to figure out topics that are going to be interesting i get it but i I don't know where fluto's going like the past two years it just seems like a lot of these upper echelon boston hockey writers uh, just come out with some really rough content uh in the off season and i I really wish it would be a happy medium on on it because you know it's it's uh it's it's good for six months out of the year but all of a sudden it's like you're reaching in the, uh, in the dog days of the summer. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully that changes, I, you know, maybe. I mean, I, I hate to see somebody like that lose a job, but, you know, the athletics taking a pretty big freaking hit lately. Uh, you know, media's taken a big hit lately with yeah. layoffs and so on. So, I, I don't know. I just, I don't like the clickbait kind of crap, you know. And I, I, I tell all my, our website writers, don't, don't go typing a, article title that entices people just to come in and look and you basically laugh at them for their click so right um yeah. well grace hopefully me, they're off well sorry grace let me ask you a, a same question a different way should the bruins be entering the draft free agency assuming that those guys are not going to be back and do you think that they kind of owe it to the team to make their decision sooner rather than later i i think they do um, if I'm being honest, I'm not entirely convinced that the decision has not already been made and communicated to Don Sweeney. Um, like I, I don't know that there's necessarily, I think it's going to come out pretty immediately after, um, honestly, I think the award ceremony, um, right after they rename the Selkie trophy to the Bergeron trophy. Um, I you think, you think that, by the end of the week, you're, you're looking at by the end of the week. I think, oh yeah, I think so for sure. Um, and I think that I, I do, I don't know, every day that goes by, I, I feel a little less confident and it's not even that I'm putting necessarily stake in what, uh, you know, Fluto put out in that article, especially cause I know, I think it was Andrew from, uh, short shift short pod. Day. Yeah. Mentioned a very similar, um, article came out last year, same thing about like, oh, we're not counting on them coming back. But I think that's another one of those, you know, heat daddy Something big is happening. I think that's sort of just what you have to do. I think you have to sort of count on them not coming back and be ready to, you know, have other players step up as leaders, have other players, um, you know, try and fill that space to whatever extent they can. And and yeah, and, and to go out and look for other players and start shopping around. How are we going to fill these these shoes in, in a way that's friendly to us? Because really, I don't see the the... Bergeron and Krejci, I know every little bit counts in the cap space situation, but it's not really like, obviously our big money saving moves are going to come elsewhere, goaltending, defense. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that it's going to happen, honestly, very soon. That's no, I don't have any inside information. So don't quote me on that one. But I uh, I think that it probably will happen soon. And I, I but I also don't know that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. I, I don't feel great about the prospect of it happening. And I think that 
we do have to sort of look at elsewhere and figure out how are we going to fill those spots? Are we going to just, you know, look to Providence, Johnny Beecher, um, obviously go blue. I have to be like, yeah, he can do it. Um, but I don't know. So I, I think that it's going to happen very soon, definitely by the end of the week, if not in the next couple of days, I think that we're going to find out. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think that if the team all of a sudden out of nowhere trades for Mark Shifley, I think we'd have right. our answer, you know, yeah. which is a guy that I know Mark brought up, uh, up this week, but, uh, Mark, I'll ask you this kind of the same thing. Do you think they kind of owe the team? I mean, Bergeron seems like the kind of guy who doesn't want to leave anybody stranded. So he's like, I'm going to tell you as soon as I possibly can, but I'm also going to wait until the very last minute because I want to make sure it's them. Do you think he yeah. he's particularly owes them? I, I kind of do. Yeah. I kind of do just because of how everything's working. And, you know, this week is just going to be so tight, um, especially in free agency. Now, I understand, and I'm not sure if you guys know, but during the off season, the NHL salary cap can go over 10%. But then you have to adjust it to be cap compliant before October, the regular season starts. So you could bank on that money if if Bergeron wanted to, like, you know, say something later on. There might have been a verbal, you know, a week or two ago or, or as soon as the end of the season and their closing meetings. But I would like to, I, if I was the general manager, I don't think it would be kind of dickish to say, Come on, guys, I really need to know what's going on because I need to construct a roster that's competitive and compliant by next season. So I would much rather hear it sooner rather than later and not kind of be put into a certain corner, per se. Yeah, yeah. If they did, they made their decision to leave on July 8th, I'd be freaking furious. You know what right. I mean? If I was Don Sweeney, I really would. Um, and real quick, this can be yes or no. Do, do you think either of these guys are – Guys that are going to say, uh, can I come back in February? Can we, can we just, can I retire and then come out of retirement in February? You feel like either of those guys would do that? Uh, somebody on Facebook asked me this question as well. Um, and he thinks, seems to think it's a good idea to not uh, bring Krejci back, but to have him on the shelf until the trade deadline and then sign him, which I think is absolutely stupid in my opinion. <laughs> Because why, and I'm not saying anything bad about the guy. He's a really good friend of mine and so on. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not understanding the, the process. This is a veteran that's like closing in on 40 years old. It's not the type of player that you want on the shelf. Then all of a sudden, hey, are you ready to go? And this is also a guy that seems to check out uh, at the end of seasons when, you know, it seems like he wants to rest before the playoffs start. And I don't know, I, I'm I think that a pro player needs to be playing a lot more regularly and not practice sessions, not practice sessions for five months. And then all of a sudden jump right into game time situations. I just, that, that whole idea kind of, you know, fizzles my brain a little bit. Well, it's, like, it it, it's like I said earlier, I think there's like a separation anxiety with this fan base. And it's it, Bruce Cassidy and Phil Kessel and time people still, there's a Tyler Sagan and Blake Wheeler. They have this like, separation anxiety they, they don't like these players going and we saw that with tuka rask we saw that with david krejci we see that with these guys that leave and you gotta get rask back in here and it, that that was a terrible idea so yeah i think I we know, should Grace, unretire I'm... tuka rask now i think he no. should come back no <laughs> i'm kidding no, i know I that <laughs> i'm for a little chaos why not <laughs> yeah just throw it in there um but yeah i think that uh i think 
Bergeron, at least, I can't, I don't know that I could say it about Krejci necessarily, because I think you're right. He kind of is just a different player and different person. I don't think there's any chance Bergeron would, would go for that. Like, I just think he would not want to do that. If he comes back, he wants to be a leader and stay. And I think that's honestly probably a big thing that is, I have to imagine sort of holding him back. I think that he's sort of the person that wants to fully commit and wants to be all in, but he can't do it if he, if he, isn't going to be able to give his whole self and I don't think he's going to want to come back. So I think that that's the one thing that's that's holding him holding him back as well is just that you know, is he going to be able to be all in? Cuz if not then right. make room for for somebody else, somebody younger. And there's a lot of guys down in Providence that have been waiting uh, and they're starting yeah. to get a little annoyed and I'm not saying that they're world beaters but you know, Lauko yeah. and Steen and these guys are just like chomping at the bit to get NHL time and it's just it hasn't it hasn't come and um, but like I said, I do think we're a couple of years, maybe one or two years away from like, I want Beecher playing NHL minutes. I'm not ready for him to play first line minutes, second line. I like, you know, I don't want him playing 25 minutes a night. Um, so um, mm-hmm. I, we'll see. We'll certainly see what happens. Uh, another guy talking about Providence and we'll do this uh, before we get to Dom. We're going to have Dom coming up here in a little bit. Um, goaltender, Brandon Bussey, got a one year, two year, two way contract extension. Um, do you think this has any effect on the current goaltending situation or is just this sort of business as usual? Business as usual. Um, this is a depth signing. I don't think this moves the needle on whether we trade uh, Jeremy Swayman or Lenius Allmark. Uh, Lenius and, um, and Bussy are the only two goaltenders in this organization that are signed as of right now. So this this technically needed to be done, like you said, business as usual. Um, but this also opens a door for Brandon to get NHL games if the Boston Bruins really want to save as much cap space as possible and make him the backup. I would like to see it, yes, because I'm a huge Brandon Bussy guy. Uh, right-handed goaltenders are always the best, just saying. And, um, um, but... I really think I would rather have him spend a little bit more time in Providence and maybe the Bruins go out and get a veteran goaltender on, on the cheap, like a million dollars that has experience and so on. Keith and Kincaid. if Brandon, Keith no, <laughs> <Stop it>. no, <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, he was not happy here and, and particularly due to Brandon Bussey and his excellence in the minor pros, um, which had, Keith a little upset that he didn't get the Friday Sunday rotation and Brandon did. So um, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but I, I could see somebody come in and, and just be that, uh, you know, netminder. But that's on a short leash. If Brandon's really killing it like he did down in Providence last season, this might move the needle to possibly put a, a, the veteran goaltender, the veteran backup on waivers and, and get, you know, um, Bussy into the NHL as a NHL backup. So um, anything could happen, but I would rather see just a little more time from Brandon to see if he's getting it. You know, I want to see how he's how he's working out during the offseason because the guy is killing it right now. He's been in um, goalie freaking training schools for the last couple weeks, just taking shots, getting his uh, tempo down, staying square to the puck, um, timing. React uh, his reaction times are, are being worked on, so I think he's going to have a big year. But I'm just I'm, hol- I'm 
slamming on the brakes a little bit of an idea of a Jeremy Swayman and a Brandon Bussy tandem next. Well, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, again, I'm I'm in team uh, sign Swayman trade Olmark. Um, but uh, again, it's just the nice thing about these episodes is that we look at all this work that still has to be done for a guy like Don Sweeney and like you said, Evan Gold, um, and and all that. You know, it's just a lot happening. So I don't I don't really. I don't know. I, I don't really remember Bruins offseason being this big, I guess. I don't even say like intense or like important, but this is a this is a big ass offseason for this team. Um if if they if they got guys that need to go and they have guys that need to come and they have guys that need to sign and guys they need to buy out and it's just it's it seems more banana land this year than in years past, which of course is good for us. We'll take the content. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So, um, Mark, do we have a jersey to give away at this uh, juncture? We do. It is the time of the month where we uh, give a hand-signed jersey away to a, a Patreon member and uh, to be eligible for to be a Patreon member and receive one of these amazing hand-signed jerseys. This one is an Adam McQuaid 2010-11 Stanley Cup champ, fully authenticated. And this is uh, courtesy of Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. This, uh, the winner of this jersey is Susan Arundel. I think I said her name correctly. Probably not. Arundel? Um, That's from Frozen. Aaron, that yeah, is uh, Frozen. I guess. Anyway, I don't know. That's a dad but, joke. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, if you want to be eligible to win a hand-signed jersey every month, please go to patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast, donate $1, and the program is that half of your dollar pays this, uh, the bills around here at uh, Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company, and the other half goes to buying these fantastic jerseys where you can win just for a dollar per episode. And we do about four episodes. Sometimes we might do six, so six, four to six dollars. It's a small monthly investment to spice up the fan cave because... You guys all know you need it. Get rid of the Patriots crap. Get rid of the Red Sox crap. Get rid of Celtics crap. Black and gold, that shit, through and through. So go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate that $1. Just it. $1. Well, congratulations. Congratulations, Susan. Thank you, Susan, for the support uh, here at Black and Gold. We really do appreciate it. Uh, coming up, we will have uh, our interview with uh, Dom Tiano, which was uh, really in depth and went on for about a solid hour. So uh, definitely stay tuned. But first, uh, we want to uh, hear from our friends at FanDuel. Baseball season's in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Uh, right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So you can make a bet, lose, and still have some money to play around with. Uh, just go to FanDuel.com slash Boston and join today. Today, uh, I like, uh, well, I'm going to just assume that the Yankees are going to keep losing because they suck. I'm going to take Texas minus one and a half, and I'm going to take the over because Garrett Cole is pitching, and he, like the Yankees, sucks. So those are going to be my uh, my couple today. Anybody else? I know, Mark, you got the Travelers going on down in Connecticut. Is that? Oh, yeah, I got lots lots of action on the golf, um, you know, and uh, also uh, this coming week, uh, the – Rocket Mortgage, Mortgage Classic from Detroit Golf Club is uh, June 29th to July 2nd, so I'll be getting in the action on that on the FanDuel app. Loving it. Losing lots of money, but I love it. 
That's awesome. Well, uh, again, fanduel.com slash Boston. Don't make, don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. We joined FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash Boston to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 21 plus in present Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. If you have a gambling problem, you can visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Visit gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM. One, two, three, four. So big thanks to our friends over there at FanDuel. Uh, again, we uh, have the interview coming up that you guys did with Dom Tiano, which is uh, really exciting. I, uh, at this point, will say that uh, I guess this is kind of it for me, uh, but I will not be a stranger, Mark and Grace. Uh, you ever need me back for a little bit, let me know. But um, sort of as I started the hour, I really appreciate everything, Mark, that uh, you guys have done for me. And Grace, it's been a pleasure uh, spitting hot takes with you. And um getting you sort of going here. I think you're absolutely crushing everything that you're doing. And uh, it was a pleasure to have you on board. So I wish you guys the best of luck. And if you need anything, obviously reach out. And, but uh, yeah, I guess this is, this is where you play, you play the Sarah McLaughlin music. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, absolutely. You're going to miss you, Steve. Uh, and, and thanks again for everything that you've done. Um, I do want to mention that the, uh, the interview coming up uh, with Dom Tiano is sponsored by, uh, action electronics and if you have that read right there yep. steve sure do for over 30 years action electronics a walpole mass company has been the leading source of value added time-saving supply chain solutions you can visit them online at actionelectronics.com you can give their customer service a call as well 508-668-3131 and follow the company's social media accounts facebook action electronics on twitter ae supply chain on instagram uh, action electronics you know how those social media sites work just go up to the search bar type it in bang it'll pop right up you can also follow them on uh, YouTube. They have their own YouTube channel at election at Action Electronics TV. Uh, so yes, this interview comes to us courtesy of uh, Action Electronics. We appreciate them. And on to Dom Tiano. <laughs> All right, as mentioned uh, earlier in the program, uh, we do have a very special guest uh, this, uh, this afternoon. We're recording on Saturday uh, before the 2023 NHL draft comes up. And uh, this guest appearance is uh, brought to you by Action Electronics, the great folks at Action Electronics. Bring in the amazing Dom Tiano, good friend, longtime friend. And this has been a long time waiting, my man. I know you've been super, super busy covering the prospects, but now it's the off season, so your your downtime has created a lot of time and uh, enough time to come on to the program with uh, Grace and I. And I'm sorry, Steve, couldn't make it this, this afternoon, but um, we appreciate your time in discussing the upcoming entry draft that's going to be happening uh, from Nashville uh, starting on Wednesday night with round one. We know the Bruins don't pick in round one, but rounds two through seven will be on Thursday. And you wrote a great article that I'd like to uh, talk about uh, certain things. Um, but um, welcome back, uh, Dom. I hopefully you are well. And uh, again, I truly appreciate this opportunity to talk about the prospects days before the entry draft happens. Yeah, always, always happy to be on, Mark grace yeah you guys know that um yeah it's been it's been a long season uh you know covering primarily the ontario hockey league uh that's over uh 
you know, the NHL offseason is here. And, uh, you know, it's not really a, a lull because we're into a, a very, very busy next seven to ten days uh, when it comes to what Don Sweeney and the Bruins are going to be doing. So um, no rest for the wicked just yet. Hey, why don't we why don't we jump right in and um, talk about the depth yeah. of this this draft, uh, Dom? Um, and I know that some folks out there are calling it a deep draft, which it might be. But I'd like to get your opinion on what you've seen because you've gone through so many great scouting reports, whether it be McKean's, whether it be uh, elite prospects, and all these things, and looking at where others, you know, place rankings on a certain prospect or hockey player that's developing. Um, you know, so you're, 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 um, I forgot where I was going with that. My opinion on it. Yeah. Um, well guys, I'll I'll tell you, I don't think it's as deep a draft as, as at least the fans are making it out to be. Uh, I, I think when you look at the depth of the draft, you can look through a, a dozen or so of the, um, public rankings that are out there and available to everybody. When you look at the first round, there's a general consensus of who's going and who's going where. And those dozen or so scouting publications agree on it, even when you get into the second round. But you have players, when you, you look at these publications, that you'll have a player that is drafted uh, by one in the 70s, and another one may have them ranked in 170 and another one not have them ranked at all. There really is no consensus. It's so widespread. Uh, if there was depth, you'd see a lot more consensus in, in it. So I, I'm not, for, for that reason alone, plus my own personal thoughts, uh, I don't think it's that deep a, uh, of a draft. I'm looking more forward to 2024 Unfortunately, the Bruins have, what, three picks in 2024? Grace, you got anything for them? Yeah, I was going to ask, so do you see it as being a particularly top-heavy draft? Because I feel like a lot of people are talking about the strength of the first round a lot, I've heard. Um, And, I mean, obviously, you see the players that are up there, Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, who in any other year – could have gone number one. Um, so do you see that as maybe skewing some people's opinions that they see the top heavy part and then they assume the rest of it's going to be strong too? I, I, I think so, Grace. And we, we see that every year, really. Um, um, I would say that, you know, once you get past the top five, uh, the next five you could, you know, juggle around a bit. Once you get outside the lottery picks, that's when you get a little bit of, of, of a discrepancy. Um, but again, when it comes to the depth, um, you're not going to get a guy in the third round that should have gone in the second round. Uh, let's, let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> so with that in mind, and we know the Bruins have five picks, right? Um, it, it's, hard, it, it's hard to say what they should be doing. And I wrote a little bit about this. And, and you know, Mark is the go-to expert in Providence. He, he knows Providence like the back, back of his hand, right? So, um, 
you've got two guys in Trevor Kuntar and Mason Laurie that have already turned pro. Uh, you have Brett Harrison. Uh, you have uh, Frederick Brunet and Ryan Mass possibly turning pro come September. Uh, they're eligible for the American Hockey League. Um, so th- already you've eliminated five players from the Bruins reserve list. And in the next two years, you've got eight more coming that you have to give contracts to to retain their rights. So their reserve list is going to be really depleted. So what do you do? Do you draft a CHL player that you have to sign within two years? Or do you go to the college or the European or Canadian Junior A route where you can maintain those rights for four to five years? So I'm not sure where the Bruins' philosophy is in this. I I will say this. I think they're going after size. I think that's the the, the key that, um, you know, later we might talk about a couple of camp invites for development camp. It's all about the size with the Boston Bruins right now. Why don't you mention those two right now, uh, Dom, since we're um, on the topic? There's Ryan Kerwin who goes to uh, Pennsylvania State University. Uh, he can play center. He can play left wing. Uh, that's confirmed that he's, he'll be going. Uh, he spent two seasons in the um, uh, United States Hockey League. Uh, he had a great rookie season. His production kind of dropped in his in the second season, but I wasn't too worried about that. Um, you know, he's he will be a sophomore at Penn State. He had a good freshman season. Um, you know, uh, again, I, I, he's, he's that size that I'm talking about. He's six foot two, 205 pounds, plays multiple positions, which the Bruins are, are, as you know, uh, very interested in. So, uh, the other fella is Aaron Parker, who goes to Bowling Green State University, uh, interesting tidbit about him is uh, he played with uh, 2019 third-round pick Quinn Olson uh, with the Oilers in the AJHL. Um, he's a six-foot-two, 185-pound right shot defenseman, so he's got some filling out to do. Uh, I'm sure he'll get there. Uh, he's an offensive defenseman, put up some great numbers in the A. For, for two years. Um, as a freshman with Bowling Green last year, he had, like, I think it was 13 points in 36 games. Not bad for a first-year defenseman, right? Um, this past season, injuries cut his season short. Um, you know, he only played in eight games, but still managed uh, to put up four points in the in those eight games. So he's, um, He's an offensive defenseman, but uh, with size, he can skate, he can move. Uh, but don't count on his defensive game. This guy is a shot-blocking machine. Um, so um, I'm really interested in, in getting reports from you, Mark, from development camp on what the what these guys look like. Unfortunately, uh, I can't be there, so uh, I look forward to your reports, but those, those two guys are, are two very interesting additions to, uh, to development camp. 
Yeah, and I will be at development camp. I'm working on getting the whole week off and attending every day. Uh, so yeah, I will be on top of getting as much info as you need, Dom, and the other my other followers out there. And speaking of followers on Twitter, uh, please follow Dom Tiano at Dominic Tiano. That's D O M I N I C T I A N O. He's a fantastic follow, diehard Austin Bruins fan, and and more more importantly, just a a source for um, us folks out there in the world just to uh, gather information from from the next ones because it's uh it's valued information and i love it and we have dom on now to talk about uh his um 2023 nhl draft preview that he wrote at dom.hockey on his website another fantastic follow go over there and subscribe um but um we wanted to talk about some some of the the like a couple of players in each one of your rankings as as the Boston Bruins pick. And you were talking a little earlier about the difference in leagues and so on and how these things are all ranked. And the first one, and, and, and the Bruins are looking for size too. So immediately I go right to number 92 and I look at Noel Nord from Brynäs in the junior uh, 20 National League in Sweden. 6'2", 196 pounds. He shoots right. Um, I I want to hear about your thoughts about him being a possible target, at, you know, at that position. But also, what really intrigued me about this was, you said I can honestly say, having watched a lot of the J Twenty National League last couple of seasons, you're not impressed. I'm curious about no. that. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, he's ranked fairly highly by Central Scouting. I think he's ranked twentieth among uh, European skaters. Um, Bob McKenzie, uh, in his final list, uh, which is probably the go-to source when it comes to rankings, um, because he's surveying, uh, actual NHL scouts and, and what they think had him at 77. Um, I have him. I honestly have him in that 92 range myself. Um, and as you know, with Don Lockmollis playing in the J20 National and and Oscar Yelvick before him, I've watched a lot of J20 over the the past couple of seasons. Um, he's got some good assets. He he he's got the size, like you mentioned. He can skate. He's a force in front of the net. Um, I would I. He's got a good shot, but I would say most of his goals come from from the dirty area in front of the net. What I don't like, guys, is that he's a straight north-south player. Uh, there's no east-west to his game. And I think in today's game, particularly the way Jim Montgomery wants the Bruins to play, uh, there has to be some east-west uh, – a little bit of east-west in your game. So um, – you know, is it an IQ thing? I, I think it might be. And that's, uh, I know people are going to look at the rankings and say, well, you know, they should take this guy if he's there. I'm just giving you my honest feedback. Uh, I think, you know, there's there's other guys I'd rather have in that spot if, if he's on the board. Grace, anybody uh, from the 92 pick that you might be interested in? The 92 pick, honestly, I... I I wanted to 
sort of talk a little bit more about, I know that you were talking about the importance of that, you know, East-West hockey IQ, potentially. I, the, the one that I'm most familiar with in the 92nd pick that you have listed is Gavin McCarthy, only because I've watched a couple times that he's played. I one time was at one of his games and I just think that, I don't know, do you see him? I guess I don't really think of him as being a particularly East-West player. Do you see that more so than, than the other? Yeah, I, I do grace. And I, I think his hockey IQ is, is um, higher than Nord. So um, if, if I had to tell you who I, I would want there, there's three players in the the list I've given that I would really want. One is Zach Nearing out of Shattuck St. Mary's. Okay. Absolutely love him. Uh, number two is Gavin McCarthy. And number three is Matthew Mania um, from the Sudbury Wolves of the OHL. Um, two of them are defensemen in McCarthy and Mania. Uh, but I, I, I think the Bruins really need to look up front, and that's why I lean to Nearing. Um, you know, incredible high-level IQ. He's in a good pro- program with Shattuck St. Mary's. Um, you know, he plays in every situation. He's, he's a very good skater. He's got quick first steps. Um, you know, he's headed to Western, yeah, Western Michigan he's headed to. Uh, so there's going to be some development or continued development with him there, uh, he would be my top choice. And, and given the fact that he's six foot three, and just 185 pounds, so he's he's got some filling out to do. Uh, I, I think that's that fits everything that that the Bruins are are looking for should be looking for. Now, I've seen him ranked anywhere as a as a very late second to a very early fourth rounder. Uh, so he could be on the board where the Bruins pick, uh, looking up here, uh, Bob McKenzie has him ranked 94th. That would be my number one target. Um, moving on to the, um, oh, I'm sorry. I did want to like touch on the, the nearing thing. I was totally on board with you with that one. Uh, the size is a center and a right shot center, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and to get him into the develop, uh, uh, any idea where he's com- he's committed to Michigan, correct? Yes. Okay. Go blue. All right. No, no, no. The is that's Western Michigan. Is that home of the Brandon Bussy? No, oh, he's he's, he's, he's he's committed to Western Michigan. Western. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, no, that that I, I like the size of that player. Um, and and yeah, what a great program Shattuck is. I mean, so many great players have come out of out of there. So. Uh, yeah, he's in good hands when it comes to development, and it's, and it'll be interesting to see if the, if a player is picked, like you said, like you know, at ninety two, um, how increased that development could be. Uh, obviously, you know, staying in college as much as possible or leave early, much like Mikulov did. Well, Mikulov yeah. wasn't a drafted player though; he was a, a free agent signing, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Um, Moving on to this, uh, the, the second pick with the Bruins have at 124. There's one interesting one that I was I very intrigued about. I actually wrote about this uh, player in a recent article that I had at BlackAndGoldHockey.com, uh, and one of my choices was Cole Knubel. 
Um, and, and it's just for the, it, 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 many people get on me. It's like, oh, you're a nostalgia and you're, you're thinking about his father, Mike, and, and his history with the team. And of course, I mentioned that in the article and so on. But I had the option, the, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to watch him play with um, uh, Mason Langenbrunner and um, Andre Gasau of the Fargo Force when he they were both in the USHL. Uh, before, obviously, you know, they went to co- their college routes with BC with Gasau and, and Langenbrunner with uh, Harvard. Um, but you got to see other players, you, you know, while you're watching. And, and I thought Knubel, even though he was at 5'11", 184, still played an impactful game. And I, I think that the narrative nowadays of, of you're not going to make an NHL, you're not going to make it in the NHL if you're a smaller player. I think those days are over because of the, of the creativity that uh, that kids have and their and their you know um, everything that's handed to them is pretty much gifted because if you want to make the best players, you have to provide them with the best best resources. And and a player like I think Knubel is is creative in the, in that sense, and I think that he'd be a, a decent project for the Bruins to pick if he was available at one twenty four. Well, he's he's on my list. I'll tell you uh, the 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 questions I do have, guys. Is is this first of all? If you're expecting to get Mike Knubel uh, out of Cole Knubel, uh, stop. Both face because they're not the same players. Um, Cole is smart. He can put up points. We've seen that. He was absolutely fantastic for Canada at the Junior A Challenge. Fantastic. No knocks. The only thing that could prevent him from having a successful NHL career right now is skating. And and I think it all comes down to to his technique, his his mechanics. Uh, it, you can work on him that getting getting a more powerful stride out of him, um, a, a longer stride. I, I think he has to widen his stance a bit um, to help him become a better a skater. He's going to be that much more successful at the NHL level. Uh, you're right, Mark, that you don't have to have all that speed to, as a smaller player in the NHL to be successful these days, but um, you do have to be able to challenge defenders one-on-one, take them to the outside, uh, take the puck to the net. And if you're lacking that speed, um, the lack of ability to do that hampers you a little bit, but I do like him in that spot because I think once you get to um, uh professional coaching as opposed to junior coaching or coaching at the college level it's a world of difference uh you you know we used to brag about the work kim bramble used to do with the bruins uh, a couple of years ago with with the skaters right um so i i'm not saying it's holding him back but that's the one thing that he definitely needs to work on great what about i was just gonna say i'm interested to hear about I know we were talking a lot about size earlier. The one person who stands out to me, and maybe that's just because I follow Big Ten hockey a lot, um, is Brady Cleveland, who I know is going to Wisconsin next year. And he's huge. He's a huge kid. He doesn't really like, you don't, 
it doesn't he's kind of you know he's not lanky i don't want to say but he's a skinnier ish kid but he's gigantic um so i don't know he's the one that i i really like in that spot but i'd love to hear what you think about him yeah i like him there too uh six foot five uh 205, 210 pounds, somewhere around there. So he's got some filling out to do. Like you said, Grace, he's not lanky, but he looks lanky. If, if you really want to call a guy who's 210 pounds lanky. Um, you know, he, he's a guy, it, it depends on where you're looking because some have him ranked as a very early third. Um, you know, FC Hockey has him outside the draft, you know, at 257. So oh. um, it, it's, there's one thing we know, you can't teach size, okay? Um, we know the Bruins have tried the likes of J.D. Greenway and uh, Nick Wolf, and they haven't worked out for him. But Cleveland is different. He has the mindset. He's a big hitter. Um, he moves well for, for his size. He keeps he he keeps his, the opponents close. Um, um, his gaps are tight. We know he's got a long reach. He knows how to use it. He can break up plays just like that. Uh, the the thing about him that I like there's there's a little bit of offense to his game, but he's that tough son of a bitch. They need to keep <laughs> the front of their own net clear. So like, he's like a. A, pro- a prototypical Kevin Miller. Um, I would say even a tougher sob, Mark. I, I I would. And, Millsy was pretty freaking tough. Yeah, and, <laughs> but but Cleveland has the size and the strength and and the IQ and the ability to to bring it to another level. So uh, you know, Grace. He's he's a perfect example of a guy you 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 really should have some serious talk amongst your scouting staff in, in that spot. But like I say, he's all over the map in the rankings out there, so it, it's hard to say. Bob McKenzie has him ranked ninetieth. So do you take him with the third round pick, or do you hope he falls to that one twenty four spot? It's a valid question. It's uh, it's going to be interesting in these later rounds, and you know the Bruins are going to be challenged no matter what, uh, because they don't have the first, second this year. They don't have the first, second, third next year. No, you know, if, and if you can't make trades to get that draft capital back, your scouting staff is going to have to be on par, you know, to to find these gems late in, in these next couple of years of uh, NHL entry drafts. Uh, to kind of facilitate that or continue to try to hit home runs on signing NCAA free agents uh, to, just to try to close that gap of getting back into, um, you know, the, the, the opening rounds of, of these drafts. And and trust me, I get the whole narrative out there, but you do have to get give to get. And Don Sweeney and Evan Gold did what they had to do to put together a what was hopeful Stanley Cup champion run this year. They did it before the trade deadline. They freaking hit a home run. They can't be blamed for anything like that. It was just that the product on the ice just didn't deliver when in the most important time. And that was obviously in the first round. So Yeah. Now, I, if I can bring up a guy in, in that area, it doesn't fit the size narrative we brought up at the beginning. But 
would be an immediate, like I mean immediate fan favorite in Boston is Angus McDonnell from the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs uh, of the Ontario Hockey League. He's only 5'10", 180 pounds, but he plays like he's 6'5", 210 pounds. It's like, I mean, this kid's motor is nonstop. He goes 110 miles an hour in a 50 zone from the beginning of the shift to the end of the shift. Um, you know, he's an accomplished defensive player. Uh, he can play in any situation. Uh, he's got an excellent shot uh, that can beat goaltenders from the dots. Um, he's got good speed, gets in there on the, on the forecheck and disrupts plays and uh he wins more battles than he loses and he's only five foot ten uh you know he has the potential to be a third liner um but he will he would be a very good fourth liner at the at the next level uh, and with a name like angus come on yeah that's just that's just yeah. that's just a recipe for i'm gonna kick your freaking ass <laughs> yeah. Now, another guy that's uh, out of your neck of the woods in the, in the USHL is Eric Polkamp, who who is re-entering the draft. I had a good first season in the first draft year, but this year just man to another level uh, offensively. He uh, again only five foot ten, uh, but he's at two hundred and one pounds, so he's. He's built kind of like a fire hydrant, uh, won the USHL Defenseman of the Year award. That's, you know, um, has, has really taken his game to another level. Um, and he's a right shot, which is what the Bruins need. So um, he's got some things to work on. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, he better under better needs to better understand zone coverage as opposed to man-on-man coverage. Um, but again, that's a coaching thing. I'm not worried so much about things that coaches can fix. It's whether the raw tools are there, and I think he's got the raw tools. Moving on to uh, the pick at 188, uh, potentially the Boston Bruins could select. Um, this is an interesting name. Just it, it stands right out to me just because of uh, Casey Middlestad with the Buffalo Sabres, but obviously it's his brother, Luke, uh, playing for Minnesota in the Big Ten. Uh, I know Grace isn't happy to hear this, <laughs> but anyway. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on him? I'm just going by the name. I really don't know much about him, but uh, 5'11", 165, left shot. I know you're talking about we need increased right shot defensemen, but if he was available, um, what are the pros and cons, Dom? You know, again, a smaller guy, 5'11". I can't recall what he weighs in at. Um, you know, good skater. He's got good lateral movement, good four-way mobility. Um which allows him at the offensive blue line to, you know, create space, open up lanes for himself, for his teammates, uh, can make a good pass, can make good plays uh, once he does that. Um, where is he? University of Minnesota, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he, he earned a spot with uh, Team USA at the uh, World Junior Championships, correct? I, I, I think... The best way to describe him is, is he's a, a jack of all trades. He's 
He doesn't excel in one in any one area, but he's good enough in all areas that he could earn himself uh, a, a decent NHL career. Would you consider him like a, um, a Jack Ashan kind of player, potential, or even more um, upside? I would say on par with Jack Ashan. Okay. On par. I, I, I wouldn't say that he has. I, I think Jack may have had more offensive upside. Grace, your thoughts on uh, a pick at 188? Yeah, obviously, you know, Minnesota guy. I, I, uh, I, I have a lot of love for the other Big Ten teams, as long as it's not Ohio State. So I, <laughs> he, definitely, he definitely is. Oh, that's to good me. to know. I remember that. Well, I mean, and then we got you know we have Mason Little Rice. That was it was tough for me to, yeah. to sit with that one. But um, yeah, no, I think that the obviously, like we said, as we get further down in the um, draft, you sort of start to see these. This uncertainty that doesn't exist elsewhere in the draft, but um, the one I'm interested in, and I had never heard of this guy until I read about him in your uh, in your article, was this this wisdom guy from the Rough Riders, Zachariah. Um, yeah, that's I. Yeah. Uh, first of all, great name. Um, yeah. But second of all, I mean, he's sort of on the bigger side, I would say. What do you think? How do you think he addresses the needs that we that we have, and we have a lot of needs. <laughs> well, you know what? Two years ago, his brother. Zade Wisdom uh, was playing in the Ontario Hockey League, and I hoped to hell that the Bruins would have drafted him. They never did. Um, I think he was gone before the Bruins picked. Um, I called Mag Donnell, the, the guy that would become an instant fan favorite in Boston. Um, Wisdom is right behind him. Uh, I, I think he plays that that game with the molder that never quits high energy, um, you know, isn't the greatest skater, but he's got some speed and he's got some mobility. He's not afraid to get dirty. Um, what's he listed at six foot one, one seventy two. So he's got a little bo- bit more size than, than Mac Donnell does. I, I think in my list, I probably have him higher than, than I should. But I think if he if he follows the progression his brother did at this at this level, then um, you know I'd be happy with him. I think his brother ended up being a third round pick, if I recall correctly. But yeah, I lo- I love him. I love the way he plays the game. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate. He's got a great shot. His IQ is well above average. Um, his skills. Um, I would say slightly above average, but his physicality and, and, you know, that's what Bruins fans want. This is what you're going to get from, uh, uh, Dom, I'm curious and I'm not profiling any players at all, but when you said his, his, his name and his brother's name, are those first nation players? No, no, they're, uh, they're, um, I forget where they're from. Okay, uh, but, I just... but they are African American, African Canadian. So, okay, all right, very cool. You know, yeah. I mean, we're, we're very diverse. You know, yeah. community here. So we, we 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 respect all of it. But I was just curious because that's a, to, in my opinion, I've seen that name before, Zachariah, on on several First Nation names. And he's got the best hair. Ah, nice. He's got, got the, the flow. I love it. Yeah. I love it already. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on to uh, picks two thousand, two thousand, yeah, two fourteen <laughs> and two twenty. 
uh, in the potential uh, 2023 <laughs> NHL draft from Dom Tiano's article. Please go read it and follow Dom at Dom Tiano on Twitter. Read his stuff at dom.hockey. Um, one that really stands out to me is your first one at 6'4", 200 pounds, left shooting center, and he's playing in the Slo- Slovak uh, 2 league, and that is a Franciszek, uh is it Day? Yes, yes, you got it, Mark. You've been wow. practicing your... Uh... That's the first time I've ever said that, to be honest with you. Yeah, so... I'm nailed. Um, I'm so proud of myself. Thank you. Thank honestly... You. You know, I threw him in. I threw him in there. I threw uh, uh, Matt V. Maximov uh, out of the MHL in Russia on the list just to get some names there. If I'm the Bruins, if I'm the Bruins, I am looking at uh, potential over anything else. This is where I want to take a long shot. Okay, and the Bruins are lucky because they also have the Los Angeles Kings pick in the seventh round. So there's two guy, two names I'm going to throw at you. Is Owen Beckner uh, played with the uh, with the Salmon Arm Silver backs out of the BCHL and is going to hold on. I'll tell you what school is he committed to. I don't have it in front of me, but he's going to. Uh, Oh, Colorado College. He's nice. committed to Colorado College. Not for next season, the season after. So these, this is one of those players that they would hold the rights to for five years because he's got to go back to the BCHL for one more season or he could uh, play in the USHL next, next season. He was actually drafted in the third round by Tri-City uh in this year's their draft this year so he's got one more season of junior eligibility then he goes to colorado college for potentially four more years now this guy is pure offense pure offense um he lit up the bchl uh he's a great skater uh you know he um he's a playmaker he's a shooter he he's Defensive game is well established for a player at at this level already. Um, and if 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 you look at the rankings, he's all over the map. Uh, you know, some have him in the top two hundred. Uh, others don't rank him at all. Yeah, and, elite prospects doesn't doesn't rank no. him. Well, if you look at elite prospects in my list, they haven't ranked ranked uh i think i got 25 names on there they haven't ranked like 12 of them so um it says a lot for elite prospects so um he's all over the map when it comes to ranking and and the reason why is when do you take a chance on a player like that like most teams are not willing to wait five years with the bruins we know they are they did it with um the kid they drafted out of the OHL, I was really, I really liked that they grabbed the defenseman, Mark. Um, um oh god, no, oh. I'm in a mint. It wasn't masked. No, no. Uh, it, uh, shit. It'll come to his me. Name. Um, Quinn Olson, played- five years. Um, Quinn Olson's going on six years. The, you know, so the Bruins are willing to invest the time. So. 
where where other teams maybe not so much. So is this where you take the the gamble and the risk because this has a potential for high reward with with very minimal minimal risk uh, involved here. Um, the the other guy is I don't know how much grace you follow high school hockey. Do you at all? Uh, a little bit, maybe not a ton. Okay. Why? Who are Teddy, you? Who are you? Why? Teddy Townsend out of Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's another guy. Um, he okay. So he played with Eden Prairie. He led the team in scoring. Um, you know, by a wide margin, he made everybody around him better. But where did that stand in the whole state of Minnesota? Um, he was, I don't know, something like in the 50s or 60s in scoring. But we're talking out of 3,100 high school players in the state of Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. So um, a lot of the publications actually like him and would take him higher than, than where I would. I know McKees has him in uh, their top 200. Uh, FC Hockey has him at 188. So, um, but then you get some of the others that don't rank him at all. Um, you will. This is a guy that you're going to end up taking that risk on, but has the potential for high reward. Is he going to be a number one center? No. Um, same with Beckner. He's not going to be a top liner. <laughs> Excuse me. But they could fit into your middle six down down the road. Um, and I, I think with these two picks that they have in the seventh round, that's the route they should go is take that risk and go for that high reward type player. And do you? I know the one that the one that really stands out to me is uh, uh, Pionk because obviously I think you just look to his older brother Neil Pionk, who ended up being yeah. a very good player and was also undrafted, now playing yeah. for the Jets. Um, so you sort of saw how he sort of developed into this really great player. Do you see um, anything in Aaron Pionk who potentially would go late, late? and could fall to where the Bruins are. Um, do you see him potentially sort of having that development that I think Neil Pionk had once he got to the league eventually? Yeah, I don't think he would be to his brother's level, Grace, but I think he could form himself uh, a pretty good um, a pretty good and somewhat lengthy NHL career. Uh, but... You know, he, he's there. I put him there to give fans an idea of who could be there. But if if I'm using my thought process, I'm looking at those, um, those low-risk guys, or maybe I shouldn't call them low-risk. I'm looking at those late-round guys that, let's put it this way, if... Townsend and and um, uh, Beckner aren't drafted this year. They will most certainly be drafted next year, just like some of the guys we talked about earlier that went undrafted, and now you're looking at spending a third or fourth round pick to get them this year. Um, I, I, w I went through the whole de same debate with uh, a few years ago with Sean Dursey out of the OHL. I said, no, I'm spending a seventh round pick on him. I want him this year um, 
you know, let me use my second round pick next year to pick somebody else. Well, no, nobody drafted him. And what ended up happening is somebody had to spend a second round pick the following year to get him. So I would rather spend my seventh round pick this year to get him than a third round pick next year to get him. And in the Bruins case, we don't have one. So you're, you know, you're going to miss out on the player altogether. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just by, just by going back for another year and having an outstanding yeah. year increases your value, your draft right. value. So, so you're almost, you're almost, you're almost apt to want to take that potential and that risk then and there, than have somebody else down the road, have what you could have had at, at yeah. that particular moment. Dustin McFall was a defenseman because yes, you just, re, you just great example because you know although his offensive game never materialized with Clarkson uh, University, uh, he he became a fairly decent shutdown defenseman. So they and I wanted him badly. I wanted the Bruins to take the risk in the sixth round. They took the risk; it didn't materialize. But if it did and he went undrafted, somebody would have been paying uh, um, a much higher pick the following year. And this is where I want to pound the table when it comes to the draft. Is No, if your scouts are doing the job and they believe in the player, take them now. Don't wait for next year when it's going to cost you more to get them. Because chances are the guy you're going to take in the, in the seventh round this year isn't going to be an NHL player. So why wait? Take your gamble. Uh, to wrap up this time that we have with you, Dom, where we truly appreciate it. Again, uh, you're just an amazing, um, you know, knowledge is enough for, for me to, to, to just, uh, you know, feel comfortable with a lot of these, you know, these opportunities that the Bruins might have to pick. Um, but uh, moving on to just another quick topic. Um, what are your thoughts on some current prospects and and maybe their first couple of years in the in the uh, in the minor pros with the uh, Boston Bruins organization, uh, like Lysel, Merkulov, and uh, Boosie and uh, Bussy and Beecher? Um, you know, because they, they, those players are starting to really gain some uh, notoriety as you know when Bruins fans are thinking of, of saving money and cap space that we really don't have this year and, and their potential additions uh, coming into next season and uh, trying to win a roster spot at a really cheap AAV that allows Evan Gold and Don Sweeney to like really, you know, construct, to put together a uh, competitive and uh, compliant roster next season. So what are your thoughts on, on a couple of um, those players that I've mentioned in their first couple of years of pro hockey? Guys, I, I will tell you, and most fans probably won't want to hear this, but of the four names that you mentioned, Mark, three of them will be given absolutely every chance to make the big squad this year, and Bussy is one of them. Uh, the one I'm leaving out is, is Fabian Lysel. And, um, you know, People are going to automatically assume I'm calling him a bust. I'm not calling him a bust. Um, he needs work. He needs to bulk up. He needs to get some more work. Uh, he needs to learn the 200-foot game. And uh, he needs to put his energy 
in a 200 foot game, not just while he's on, on offense. Um, so I, I don't think he's ready. He might be ready halfway through the season and they'll give him a look. But I, as of right now, right this minute, Beecher, Merkulov, and Bussy will get the opportunities. Now, obviously, with Bussy, it depends on uh, what happens with Allmark and Swayman. I'm a firm believer that, I don't know, should I say it on this show? I'm a firm believer uh, Allmark is gone. Um, <laughs> we'll leave that at that. Um, and I think all three have the capability of making the roster out of, out of training camp. The only thing that would hold Bussy back is whether the Bruins are comfortable going in the season with an NHL unproven goaltender as their backup. Uh, that might be where they go out and spend a million dollars on a, on a veteran backup, uh, put Bussy in the AHL to start and bring him up and give him a few opportunities to see how he does. And then, similar with what they did with Kincaid last year is whoever they sign, they can send them down to Providence and keep Bussy up at the, at the NHL level. Yeah. <laughs> my sleeper, my sleeper Mark is Matthew Patra. Oh, because he's my sleeper. I know he's put in the work. I, well, you know, we've had, we've had him on a podcast here. So, I know he's put in the, in the work to bulk up, get stronger, and, and everything. Um, we already know he's a capable hockey player. And I think if, if, if the Bruins go into the season and Patrice Bergeron is not back, David Krejci is not back, and they were unable to get a quote-unquote number one center someplace else, Matthew Potrock could steal that show out of camp. Oh, I love it. Love the spicy hotness right there. I absolutely love it. Coming from my best, one of my best friends. Um, hey, uh, just before we, we do wrap this up, uh, how come you didn't select any goaltenders? What's up with you and your um, bias against the crease? I don't, I don't have a bias against goaltenders, Mark. I think, and, and here's why I didn't. A lot depends on what, happens at the NHL level with Allmark and Swayman. So if one of them's gone, like we all think will be, and it's most likely Allmark, Bussy moves up, right? Now you've got, you've got Kaiser and you've got DiPietro you can put in the AHL. Who, by the way, both are younger than, than Brandon Bussy. So let's, I know there are people out there that call them a, a bust, but, you know, they're still younger than Bussy is. Then you've got Reed Dick that needs to turn pro next year. Bruins have to sign him to a contract by June 1st, 2024. Uh, Spedeback will be coming out of his third season in the NCAA and will most likely want to turn pro. If I'm looking for a goaltender, I'm looking for a goaltender next year, not this year, because you've already got uh, two, four, six that are going to be under contract within a year. Right. And you want to stay under that 50 man, uh, the contract limit yep. and so on. I know that gets really tight and so on, but, uh, you know, I was, I, I'm, I'm always that guy that I'm a goalie, former goalie and so on. So I'm the guru of the show here, but, 
Um, I was, you know, doing my due diligence when, you know, when with the upcoming draft, and I saw two players that I was really impressed with. Obviously, size is a huge thing, and I think, I think that um, Bob Asenza and Mike Dunham have done really, really good with the with the developing core that they've been given. Uh, but it it does trend on the on the higher echelon of you know bigger netminders um, mm-hmm. and making minimal movements these days. And I really liked what I saw in my video sessions with uh, with Damian Clara from Fajestad, the J twenty. Mm-hmm. I thought he's got, and he's, and he's um he's Italian, you know, yeah. and, and, which yeah. is which, and he you know went over to a European league and so on, played for his national program and so mm-hmm. on. And I thought he's got some pretty decent numbers and 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 a lot of upside that the Boston Bruins coaching staff saw in like Reed Dick and his upside. Don't go to elite prospects and look at Reed Dick's freaking stats and so on. They're not right. going to jump out. It's what he can do and the upside that he has that was mm-hmm. so attractive to the Boston Bruins organization. And also uh, Thomas Millich uh, out of the uh, WHL Seattle Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. I mean, his, a- his accolades um, and his winning pedigree in the past year or two really stood out to me in my video sessions and and I think some those two could possibly be late round additions if if they were looking goalie I'm not sure if that's going to happen but uh, one... I, don't, I don't think they should this year Mark right. based no, on I... based on all the needs that the team has and and the depth that they have at goaltending you know I'd be looking to next year it, it really isn't a great goaltending um, class. Uh, from right. top to bottom. I mean, um, you know, there's a couple of guys in the OHL that if they were drafted, I'd say, okay, fine, they got drafted. But it, it, there's one I wouldn't – there isn't one that I would say, this is the guy you ma- absolutely must have out of the OHL. It's just, you know, yeah. I ranked, I think, nine goalies in my OHL rankings only because I had to put goaltenders on there. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, everybody's going to go like – you know, where are the goalies? <laughs> but um, honestly, you know, it, it's been a down year for me when it, covering the OHL because I don't expect more than 30, maybe 32 players. That's if a goaltender gets picked, uh, drafted out of the OHL this year. And that'll be the second worst year in their history. Wow. Wow. That's some amazing numbers. I also I also had one defenseman that I was really intrigued by that I wasn't I was surprised that uh you know well I, I was surprised he was ranked, but uh was that Rodwin Dion Isio? I think that's yeah. his name. He's from the Windsor Spitfires. Dion Isio, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I kinda I liked his game when I was watching Brett Harrison and so on when he was being coached by uh Mark Savad and so on. So Okay, so let, let me tell you a little bit. Mark, um, <clears throat> he had seven points with Niagara in 20 some on games and then got traded to Windsor and literally blew up offensively. Um, and somebody asked me about him today. He says, uh, uh, Dom, he's not on your list. I go, well, no, because I have him ranked 37th in the OHL, which means he's not getting drafted. Uh, right. You know, um, Everybody points to his numbers, Mark. Um, I'm not saying you did, but cover this for a living or pointing out his numbers and the great numbers he put up. Um, 
after the trade to Windsor and playing under Mark Savard. But it's okay to like, but watch the games. Okay. Do you, sure, he put up points, but do you not know that Savard moved him up to left wing the majority of the time? He played almost the entire playoffs on left wing. He didn't play defense. And even when he was playing defense, he didn't play defense. This is his second year of draft eligibility, and I'd be surprised if he was picked. Grace, you got anything for Dom uh, to to finish up? No, I, I'm. it's been great being able to talk about. I think people think that because we have so many late picks that there's not as much to talk about or not as much to appreciate about some of these players so it's good to hear from from an expert and to be able to talk about them because i think a lot of them have you know good chances and good futures in the nhl if they're uh picked by the right team and so hopefully we get to see that development soon well dom thank you so much for the time my man it was an absolute pleasure getting you back on here and uh, i know we've i know we've talked several times um in the past that you're you're off season, you have more time to do more opportunities like this. So you're welcome anytime to come on the program, talk about what we're talking about. And we'd love to have you. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, I haven't missed a show sometimes, Mark, it it may take me four days to get to it. Um, as you know, now that hockey season over, I've, I've been on interacting with Chris and Mike on Monday nights on the live stream. Um, nice. Oh yeah. 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 You've seen me on there. Uh, Oh yeah. Having fun, joking around, having fun. And (laughs) you know, um, now the opportunities and finally getting to meet grace. Uh, where are you this weekend anyway? Like usually (laughs) you're all over the place. I do. I do go all over the place right now. I'm in Jacksonville. This is where I will be for the next, uh, month or so. And then I'll be back in North Carolina, so. Oh, okay, so like it's you know when I tune in and go, okay, where's Grace this week? You look <laughs> at the background and try it's, to. It's a there fun was little one, game. Yeah. One episode, I don't remember where it was. I'm looking at the background and going, that doesn't look familiar. And then she's yeah telling us she's in a hotel room someplace. Yeah. <laughs> <it's> like, yeah, <laughs> okay. Got to respect the dedication. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I got lots of free time this summer, guys. So anytime. Um, you know, I'm available. You just let me know. Dom, any parting words for Steve, who's uh, leaving the episode of uh, the uh, pr- the program? Yeah, this, this is his last one. Steve, I, I, I just wish I got to spend more time uh, interacting with you because, you know, like I said, I've watched the episodes. I never missed one, even though it may take me a few days to get to it. But uh, your knowledge and... Um, your passion for the Bruins. Uh, uh, very, very few have it. And you brought a lot to the show. You're going with Springfield, right? Yeah. Doing some work for Springfield. Um, you know, I can't cheer for, for Springfield, but I will, <laughs> I will cheer for your success is your success in, in doing the work for them. Uh, but unfortunately it's still Providence all the way for me. Right. Yeah. His, uh, new podcast will be out in the fall. Uh, and it's yeah. covering the Springfield Thund- uh, Thunderbirds, like a uh, team that he currently works for, but him and another, another, um, colleague over at the AHL club are putting together a program and, you know, going to miss him as, uh, you know, we talked about earlier in his potting words, but you know, it's good for him. You know, it's just, this is, 
it's awesome, you know. And we're bringing on Chris Nosek, uh, who's also a knowledgeable person, and you know, and I think he can uh, drive a, a good agenda and bring up some good discussion points, and you know, fill those shoes nicely. So we're excited to have a nice transition of, of passionate Bruins fans that are eager to, uh, you know, commit to quality content every week. So certainly appreciate it. But Dom, and, I'm gonna. And let me just say to the, the, the people thinking about it, Mark, that, that, you know, they'd like to come on and write something. And you know what? It only takes a little bit of effort, guys. That's how I started 15 years ago. Uh, it's just a little Ontario Hockey League blog, you know, that uh, has gained followers over the last... 15 years, I, you know, in, in a couple of th the thousands, we'll, we'll say. So, um, you know, it's a great way to put yourself out there. If you have the passion for the Boston Bruins or the Providence Bruins or even the prospects, it's a good place to start with Mark and, and you know, put your thoughts down into words. Nobody's going to laugh at you. Uh, nobody's going to make fun of you. It's just a way of getting getting started. And Mark has had some people move on to bigger things uh, come through his network. So uh, even if it's not a field that you're interested in getting into and it's just a passion for the game, I suggest you give it a try. Oh, thanks, Tom. I appreciate that plug. And I'm gonna I'm gonna selfishly plug uh, my friend Grace here because Grace has has uh, asked to uh, you know inquire about writing a little bit herself. So if she's got the time to contribute, we'd certainly bring her on. Good for you, Grace. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you very much, Dom Tiano. Uh, it's an absolute um, uh, pleasure to talk to you again, and we look forward to watching the draft and seeing if any of these people we talked about, uh, you know. Uh, get selected by the uh, the Boston Bruins when the the whole draft starts on Wednesday night. But as it stands right now, without any trades going on and so on, we we are looking at a day two uh, festivities only. But from now until then, things can change. The Boston Bruins can make a deal that gets them back into the first or second round. Uh, you know, even in, back in a day one. But who knows? But until then, um, everybody, thank you for listening. Please support Dom and his stuff. Uh, we truly appreciate everything that everybody's done. Uh, Grace, thank you very much for the Saturday afternoon get-together with Dom. I appreciate your time uh, so much. And uh, next week, we'll have a, a new host, uh, and that's Chris Nosek. So good that old being Chris. said, <laughs> good old Chris. I'm going to reel him in, Dom, I promise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm uh, Mike Allred. That's Grace Roberts. That is Dom Tiano, and we are the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We will talk to you next week. Peace out. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod 
at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Thank you.